Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends to talk about sides and totals, best matchups here in the Week 11 NFL slate. Joining here, here as always, Connor Allen. Uh, Connor, uh, technical difficulties on my end today. You don't have to look at my face, although you just get this lovely picture of me. Uh, I'm sorry, I look really good today. I just need you to know that. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I enjoy seeing your facial expressions during mid-show because I think one of me or Clark will say something, and you know I think we all like kind of make faces at each other occasionally, and so I definitely will miss that aspect of it. Um, but I don't know. I think this is a pretty sharp photo, so uh, it does it definitely feels a little weird, but uh, I could probably get used to it. Yeah, this is my my VR photo. I was thinking of VR, um, who just like could not get over the fact that I had uh, a pixelate pixelation in my uh in my twitter bio photo and he needed me to update mass like it was just a thing like i can't imagine being so obsessed about my twitter bio uh photo but uh vr was for a little bit and i upgraded this for him so this is this always reminds me of me having to yell to my wife can you come please take a picture of me another grown man is not happy with my current picture so here we are uh sharp clark you got a nice hat on today bud yeah, yeah, pulled out, pulled out the week. Um, Bills let me down uh, for for a couple teaser legs on Monday night. That was very disappointing, but um, overall it was good. I'm just gonna have to get used to the the unnerving feeling of you not blinking. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I, I my computer sounds like it's uh, like on a airplane tarmac and it's about to take off. And uh, yeah, just don't want to impact the quality of the show. The audio is okay. We're gonna go audio only. If you were uh, hanging out. On YouTube, sorry, you have to look at me staring at you continuously. Uh, if you're uh, enjoying this via podcast, uh, then it's fine. It's like nothing even happened. So if you were uh, hanging out with us on YouTube, we appreciate it. Um, this is where we'll be every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe. All those things gone a long way in helping us uh, podcast in your feed on Wednesday evenings as well. A reminder, this is uh, one of two episodes of move the line each week prop drop is our player prop focused show on fridays that's 3 p.m eastern on the 444 bets youtube channel and then later in the podcast as well so uh subscribe so you don't miss one of those shows we continue to have fun uh doing that every week with john Hyslop from odds jam talked about it last week i want to remind you if you have not taken advantage of this uh the betting subscription right now is massively discounted the betting sub is basically uh, access to everything that 444 does so no matter what you're doing whether you, you bet or not, uh, you're playing, you know, DFS still, you're still doing, you know, you want to do like playoff best ball content. Like we're going to have content there. Uh, Discord is is the access that you really want to get all the picks that the three of us put out. You can use promo code BETS50, B-E-T-S-5-0 to get 50% off of what's already 50% discounted. You're basically at a spot where it's like $62 to bet with us for the next three and a half months. Because, uh, you know, well, NFL seasons go into the early February uh, with playoffs and Super Bowl. We're betting NBA as well. We have, uh, you know, a team that's firing. Kevin O'Brien's doing an awesome job. We get some other people, just that NBA chat's popping all the time. If you're playing any of the pick games, prize picks, underdog, vivid picks, we have channels there as well. Again, 444.com, promo code BETS50 for an additional 50% off of the betting sub. Come check it out. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Last week was weird. Some really weird outcomes. Some, again, you have all these late finishes with field goals at the end of the game and interested to see how it shapes, you know, futures markets, uh, you know, looking at anything on that side in terms of, uh, like I'm enamored with the defensive player of the year market. Uh, Connor, is there anything that's catching your eye or that you're watching in terms of markets this week, dynamics, anything that you want to track over the next couple of weeks, what market has your eye in terms of futures? Yeah, I think that's a that's a tough one here because we did get down some mid-season uh, futures. We bet Giants have the worst regular season record, and I think it's pretty clear now that they are, uh, you know, trying to lock into that, locking in Tammy, you know, Tommy DeVito there as a starting quarterback. I think he's been the worst quarterback in the league by a pretty wide margin, <clears throat> and so he just doesn't have a lot around him either. And like, I think Dable is a good coach, but there's only so much he can do when like literally his entire team is injured, and they were already super thin as is. I know Clark talked about that early, so. I don't know what the number is on that right now, but um, you know I, I would still like that as well. Um, overall, though, I think kind of buying potentially buying low on Mike McDaniel is interesting, but it's tough. I feel like with the Texans, and I was thinking about this last night, is that the Coach of the Year award with D'Amico Ryan's feels a lot like Brian Dable last year, uh, where 
he has a team that had very low expectations. They had very, you know, low hype around them. And now they're on the fringe of potentially making the playoffs, uh, you know, going forward if they keep winning. So I think plus 300 there, if maybe you've taken some action on McDaniel like myself or, you know, Dan Campbell early in the season would be a great hedge because I don't know if they're going to win like 10 plus games, but I mean, they're, they're an incredible story so far. Yeah, the Dan Campbell stuff's interesting, Clark, too, because the expectations are relatively high to start the year, right? They're favored to win the division. He was in the mix towards the tail end of last year. And we know last year, too, it was very much a exceeding expectations award because Sirianni, I mean, it's really hard to argue that Sirianni did not deserve that award. Um, you know, a couple, again, that kind of shows you how thin these markets can be and how they can be so impacted by recency bias late in the season and what happened there. But like, what do we do with the coach of the year? Where like, Dan Campbell, they're going to win 14 games. Uh, he probably he probably gets it if that happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm interested in D'Amico Ryan's and or some other stuff too. I mean, like the defensive player of the year one is the one I keep going back to. But yeah, what else has your uh, your attention? Your your Browns one, man. Your Browns your Browns to miss the playoffs roller coaster uh, in the last uh, say 48 hours or so. Yeah, big big loss on that one when they when they beat the Ravens somehow in that game and then. And then Deshaun Watson gets hurt for the year. So now it's kind of back alive. Although, you know, with their relative ease of schedule and how good the defense is playing, like I'm still, you know, still clutching that pretty tight. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't add to the position, although I do think it's, I think it's being generous right now in terms of projecting the Browns to make the playoffs. But um, because I already have that position, I'm not looking to add to it. Um, on, on curse of the year, real quick, just the Lions schedule down the stretch looks fairly manageable and, you know, what we're seeing in sort of the media reactions and Twitter reactions is just how results oriented everybody is, and especially how recency bias influences those perceptions. And so, you know, I think the Texans might have a tough final stretch. And and I just think that a team that loses its last few games, like the, there's so much emphasis on recency that I think if the Lions close, close the season strong, that really boosts uh, Dan Campbell's resume. And, and, and Mike McDaniel has a tough stretch as well down the stretch for, for Miami. So, um, I think that's something to consider when you're betting awards markets. Yeah, the recency bias is is really strong. I do think if it's a it's something that you want to get into, I do think having in in trying to be smart in developing a portfolio at times and looking for opportunities to buy, uh, you know, at the top of things uh, is the right position to try to get into now as we start to kind of see these markets develop. I mean, like the comeback player of the year one is is really wild as well with like. The whole Demar Hamlin thing, like active last week, didn't really do anything. Um, comes in, gets it. I guess it like, gets a tackle. Um, but like, what happens there? It's the second time he's been active. Um, and comeback is so nebulous. Like, what are you coming back from? Like, is Josh Dobbs? What's he coming back from? Um, I, yeah, it just is a really, really bizarre award. So, yeah, I like to talk, kind of talk about those at the top of every show as we move forward here. But let's jump into our uh, our games here this week. We have some uh, some interesting ones. We'll get started with that one with the news. Obviously, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, a uh, ton of movement on the side in total here with the Deshaun Watson news today on Wednesday morning. This was five and a half on Cleveland side in the look-ahead market, down to four and a half, reopened at Cleveland minus four. And then with Watson out, it dipped to like Cleveland minus two and a half on the first wave. It's now like a pick em. Uh, there are ones on either side, depending on where you want to get down. Totals massively plummeted as well, uh, down from 38 and a half to 33 and a half. Again, Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback over PJ Walker. That did not go so well in the one start uh, against Baltimore early this season. Uh, where are we at now here, Connor? Now, this is basically a pick with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. It's crazy because I think the Steelers are massive, you know, frauds here uh, overall. I mean, they're six and three right now. They have a negative 26 point differential, ranked 26 in points scored, 28th in yards, 24th in offensive EPA per play. The key is they're six and zero in one score games. And if we look at the last time these two teams met, it was a uh, I think 26 to 22 final score here. Two of their touchdowns were defensive, and the other one was a 71 yard run or a catch and run by George Pickens where he. I mean, had an awesome play. He's a good player. He's just not very consistent. And he obviously had like a highlight reel moment there to, to score a touchdown for them. So basically the majority of their points came on, on, you know, those plays there. And I don't think that that's really consistent. The total in this game is 33 and a half. This is the second lowest total in the last 10 years. The only other one was the Cleveland Saints game where there was 40 plus mile per hour wins. And there's no like, I mean, at least I haven't seen no weather that's going to like crazily impact this year. So it's literally just two bad offenses playing against, Cleveland defense that I think is really, really strong and a Steelers defense that 
uh, you know, has its moments here and there. So I go back and forth on this one, honestly, because I don't think DTR is very good. I think this Browns defense is awesome. On the other hand, I want to fade the Steelers. I'm just not really sure this is the spot to do it here. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to hear Clark, your opinion, because I feel like this, I was really interested in some Brown in the Browns before Deshaun Watson was out. And I'm glad that I did not lock that in, obviously, given the news. Yeah, it's the same for me. I, this was shaping up to be a play on the Browns this week because, you know, Pittsburgh has been slowly losing pieces on defense. They lost Quan Alexander to the IR two weeks ago. This week, they lost another linebacker in Cole Holcomb. Minka Fitzpatrick is questionable. He missed last week and the week before. Uh, you know, the, these guys matter for Steelers defense that, that sure it has TJ Watt, but even TJ Watt hasn't really been having the same impact on these games that he has in years past. Uh, you know, Cam Hayward is back. That's good. But uh, this is a defense that I think is a little bit overrated overall, especially with those injuries. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, Deshaun Watson really did kind of put it together a little bit in that second half, like enough to show that he can move the ball, you know, against a good defense. He wasn't fantastic by any means, but he was kind of showing some improvement, which I think is what Browns fans have been looking for. But without Deshaun Watson, I think this is a massive downgrade. I mean, Dorian Torn thompson robinson was really terrible in his first start and i don't i don't college scout so i don't have a strong opinion on him but someone that i trust in the college space thinks he's absolutely terrible um and if you don't have a quarterback it's really tough to win in a in a tough game like this um but the thing is if if you know that one game sample was misleading and if he's you know been shoring things up in practice and really been putting things together they obviously trust him over pj walker um, then I think this could be like a runaway victory for the Browns. So I'm not I'm not looking to tease this game. If if one side gets to be a one and a half, two and a half point underdog, this is a complete pass for me, a complete uncertainty pass. I I, I don't think the range of outcomes skews towards one side more heavily. This is just I'm excited. I'm having fun watching the betters fight over it, and I, I'm excited to see where it goes. But I, I'm not participating myself. Even the move that we had looked like we were stable at two and a half, and then you know within the last hour or so, it's it took some more money. Uh, Pittsburgh money. So yeah, it's, it's just one of those spots where it's like, we want to find opportunities to fade Pittsburgh, but they're not going to give it to us this week is they're six and three. They've been outgained by their opponents in every game. As you mentioned, like they are, are losing key starters on the defensive side every week. None of it matters. Uh, they, I mean, like the whole premise of this, like bend, but don't break defense stuff, I think is garbage, but they've allowed the fifth most yards per drive the season. Uh, they've been fantastic defensively in the red zone. They've allowed the fourth lowest touchdown rate on red zone drives. So like, you know, that's, that's one way to get it done. Um, you know, if you think that you're so good, then why don't you tighten them up on like the twenties? I don't know, maybe try that, but, uh, yeah, they just, they seem to have a recipe that works. And this is an interesting spot too, where like, Hey, we didn't even talk about Mike Tomlin and the coach of the year discussion there quickly. It's like, they're about to be seven and three. I mean, stuff's going on in Cleveland. He's never won the award. It's a, it's a, it's a wild time in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett is not playing really good football. Uh, it's yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a, a mess. And look, look at Cleveland. They won a game last week that they were trailing for 59 minutes and 20 seconds of the game. They had that quick, you know, uh, Kyle Hamilton, you know, great play, tip, pick, and you know that game looked like multiple times that Baltimore was just kind of out and running away with it and just a really weird wonky game. And uh, yeah, I don't have a great feel for it. It is something that I'm going to watch and I think is impactful. As I talked about earlier, but you got two guys here with TJ Watt and miles Garrett that are impactful at the top of the board in the three man defensive player of the year race. And I think it's hard for someone to not make the playoffs and win this award, unless you're like setting all time records in terms of like sacks or pressures or uh, things like that. And um, it's going to be, I don't know. I don't feel good about either of these teams, these teams making the playoffs, but here we are. One of them, I mean, Pittsburgh could be seven and three at the end of this, and that becomes really challenging. Um, so, yeah, this is a, uh, I'm one I'm sitting out on. I don't even really want to watch, but I think it does have an impact massively in terms of, you know, AFC North futures and even some other futures there as well. The Steelers are going to be the team that makes the playoffs and then is like a 10 point underdog, like the first weekend and like just gets absolutely steamrolled in the playoffs by a good team. Like it's, we see it like, you know, almost every year where there's just like some shit team that makes the playoffs somehow and they just get, they get rolled. So that's my prediction for them at least. Cause I think they're, they're going to win some more random games like this. I mean, like imagine like what a great run out to be playing the Browns in this situation. You know what I mean? There are so many fun teams in the AFC. If we get Browns and Steelers, sorry, Browns and Steelers fans. If we get Browns or Steelers or Browns and Steelers in the playoffs, considering the, a number of fun teams 
that are like, what, like I think 11 teams or 500 or better in the AFC. And a lot of them are fun with young quarterbacks that like we're excited to watch for like the next five to seven years. And we're going to get stuck with, uh, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson and Kenny Pickett, uh, you know, on the road in in uh, Miami or something like that. It's just going to be abysmal. I uh, don't want to watch that. So, all right, we'll uh, keep moving here. Arizona on the road in Houston. The Texans as a four and a half point home favorite here on FanDuel. There are fives in the market as well. So you can shop around. Tolls moved around some key numbers here. Opened at 46 and a half. Got bet out to 48 and a half. Looks like we've kind of stabilized around 47 and a half. So kind of, you know, important if you have a lean, those things matter. I think if you would have asked me in August, if a week 11 Cardinals Texan game would make the shortlist of a show, a show sheet this week, I, I probably would have laughed at you, but here we are a very interesting spot here and an interesting game for both clubs here. Clark, I'll let you get started with Cardinals Texans. Yeah, the the unit in this game that I think is the most mispriced potentially is the Cardinals defense. They're still being treated as a bad unit, and they haven't been bad for four weeks in a row now. For Their last four opponents, Seattle, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Atlanta, all played below expectation by my metrics against this defense. And I think it. I think they're pretty good. I mean, Buda Baker came back off the IR. He's huge. Uh, they missed Jalen Thompson. The other safety missed some games. Uh, Jonathan Ledbetter missed some games. He's maybe maybe not a huge impactful player, but they rotate guys in and out a lot at that lineup. So every player matters. And since those guys have all come back, they've been a, a pretty good unit. And, you know, CJ Stroud is getting a, a lot of love and he's a really, really good quarterback. Like it's legitimate. Uh, but it's also kind of like players ebb and flow. Players have good or bad performances, especially young players. And I think if you're kind of, you know, buying into the Texans offense at this point, you're buying in at the, basically the ceiling. So I think there's an angle here uh, to kind of, ex, you know, expect the Cardinals defense to be better than expected, but I don't, my numbers don't like the Cardinals on the spread. I actually like the under in this game because Kyler Murray is also an inconsistent quarterback and both these teams like to play a lot of zone and they don't like to blitz a lot. And so that kind of defensive approach forces quarterbacks into taking the checkdowns, taking the short stuff, taking the easy stuff Stroud can do that, and that you know they'll probably move the ball much more easily than Arizona will. Uh, but it still takes time off the clock when he does that. Kyler Murray is not great at that. That's that's his weakness. He'll he'll throw over the middle too aggressively, get picked off. You know, penalties have been a problem even his whole career. And then last week it was the same thing. You know, fumbling snaps. Like how many of those shotgun snaps go above his head? Like he's tiny, and and it, it you know it's one of those kills a drive. Uh, you know, long third downs that he like miraculously completes. That wasn't happening last year. And I think it's just a very inconsistent way to go about offense. So I don't expect this Cardinals Texans game to, to be justified as the highest total on the board this week, uh, which is kind of crazy to me considering the two offenses we're dealing with here. Um, Texans defense also is not a slouch. Like they're, they're they can play. D'Amico Ryan's is a good head coach and their defensive scheme works. They've got guys back. Derek Stingley came back last week. They're pretty much healthy on defense too. So this is a, a game that I think even at 48, which you can get at some places right now, I, I would play the under. I'd play the under to 47 and a half, but um, at 47, I would not play it anymore. This is an interesting one, Connor. I mean, uh, you know, we talked extensively in the past. We know like players don't tank. Organizations can tank. But playing Kyler uh, is not a move that you make organizationally if you're trying to lose football games. And like. We saw an up and down performance, as expected, right? First game back, new offensive coordinator. But like he won the game for them on that third and ten scramble on the final drive with a minute and a half to go. That was vintage Kyler. That doesn't like Josh Dobbs isn't getting out of that. Clayton Toon sure as hell isn't getting out of that play. And that set him up for the field goal. And it just that's very interesting here where uh with the Cardinals who could play spoilers here down the stretch. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it is a really unique game here. Um, I guess it's a good point with Arizona's defense playing better as of late. I mean, I think better is still probably only puts them at like a league average unit. Uh, you know, and I don't really see them being like, you know, a, a good, good defense uh, at this point, even though they played a little bit better. I guess my biggest notes were that Kyler looked mobile. And I think that's the most important part of the recovery and that the speed of the game and the processing and the decision making will kind of take a little bit longer to come back. But like him being able to run and you know, be mobile, I think is really important to like his full allotment of, you know, being able to play in this game here. This Texans defense has been really all over the place. It's like, right. When you get back in on them, you know, they get, you know, absolutely rolled by the bucks. And then, right. And then when you're like, okay, well, they're not that good. You know, they do a pretty good job against the Bengals. So it's sometimes, you know, obviously they still let up plenty of points there, but it's, it's one of those things where 
the Texans are just a very uneven team right now, and they're going through the roller coaster of just being like a, I mean, a team that can basically beat anyone right now, but can also lose by you know 10, 20. They lost to the Panthers a couple weeks ago, and I think the Panthers are one of the worst teams in the league at this point. Like, if you were to reline that game, I think that you know, having not seen what happened there, I think we would be pretty surprised uh, what that spread would be relative to the outcome. So, I this game is really interesting to me. Uh, my take was initially over uh, because you know of the matchup here, and I thought the Texans would be able to continue running the ball, which I think is really important here because this Cardinals defense has still let up a good amount of running rushing yards as of late. Um, and it's something the Texans didn't really have early on in the season. Like they were not able to run the ball for basically every single game until last week. And so I think the Bengals thing, I think that's the Bengals, that's a Bengals feature. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And so that's the concern. So I go back and forth. Honestly, it's probably another stay away. If I had to bet on it, it would probably be Cardinals against the spread here just because I thought Kyler kind of impressed me here. It's like plus five, I think on the road. So, I mean, there are a couple of things late in that game in Houston or in Cincinnati in, in Houston game where like, like we were really close to that being just kind of a boring fourth quarter where Houston was on cruise control. I uh, would just been in here like, Hey, if Houston just went into Cincinnati and boat raced them um, and without their best receiver, um, you know, Jimmy Ward starting safety out last week. Um, you know, they're, they're, we just haven't seen all of Houston yet, I don't think. Um, I, I'm just interested to see what that looks like when now Noah Brown's kind of emerged. They can get more offensive linemen back. If they can get Ward back this week, now that Stingley's back. Uh, you know, Petrie missed some time earlier this season. Like Denzel War, or Denzel uh, Perriman is now suspended for three games, but they have a four-linebacker rotation. So, like, they'll miss Perryman a little bit, but not much. They'll be able to figure it out. So, I don't know. I think that if the Texans need to be considered – actual contenders here whether that's like to come up and win this division or to take one of these bottom spots in the afc playoff picture you have to win at home against arizona um does that mean that you like win by margin and cover not necessarily but um kind of i lean texans here I'm not really buying the uh resurgent cardinals defense in this spot so uh, that would be that'd be my lean but i want to see the injury report like we saw last week the wednesday injury report for houston was just it was like a CVS receipt. Um, you know, I'd love to see some of those guys get back and make sure that everyone's here and in play and see what happens with Nico Collins and if we can get really a ceiling outcome from the Texans offense if they can get everyone healthy. So that would be my lean here. Yeah, I mean, you know at this point, I think it's really clear that the Cardinals are going to be playing competitive football with Kyler Murray from here on for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. One thing that I would note, Connor, on, on Kyler Murray's mobility against the Falcons is that the Falcons are, relatively speaking, a, a very man-heavy defense in today's NFL, and the Texans are very zone-heavy. And, and you know, when de when defenders are staying in their zones and keeping their eyes on the quarterback looking down the field, it's a lot harder for mobile quarterbacks to make stuff happen like that uh, as, as it is against a man defense that typically the players are running with the receivers. So I think that we should expect a little bit of a drop-off in, in Murray's rushing in this game. Yeah, that third and 10 was vintage Murray to back himself out of that, scramble around, just a little like, you know, squirrel running around the pitter-patter of his feet and to yeah, extend it and to, yeah, it was, it was good stuff. It's, it's why uh, that guy is, you know, has a big old contract, was taken first overall, and everyone thought he could be an it guy. It'd be very interesting to see what happens there in the offseason. So, uh, but if they're going to win football games, it's kind of, they kind of take themselves out of the equation for having to make a move there, so. All right, next one. Chargers are on the road in Green Bay. Uh, Three-point road favorites here for the Chargers. There are some three-and-a-halves out there, um, or there were at open at least, so uh, three looks like it's holding steady. Over's taking a little bit of action. There were 42s at open. Now look like we're 44 in some spots. Um, again, a point-and-a-half, not massive, but around a key number of 44 is not an insignificant move, so shop around depending on what you want to do there. I have a really difficult time handicapping these two teams. This should be theoretically one of the better spots for Jordan Love this season in terms of matchup because Chargers' pass defense has been absolutely terrible. Uh, Jordan Love is impossible to trust, and really anything on the Packers' side right now feels impossible to trust. Connor, what are your thoughts on uh, Chargers' Green Bay Packers? Yeah, to contextualize that, I mean, this Chargers' defense is allowing the most passing plays of 30 yards or more, and Jordan Love actually – leads the league in 30 yard passing plays uh, or more is tied, I believe. So it's really unique because I think he also leads the league in inaccurate or maybe he's top three in inaccurate passes. Uh, and so we don't really know what to expect on a per play basis here, but I think there are a couple things that 
it, it's a little bit gross here. And my initial take was on the chargers, but the more I dug in, I kind of like the Packers in this spot here. And, uh, I don't necessarily feel good about it, but I think it's kind of the right play here. Green Bay playing cover three, uh, nearly half their snaps. And then against cover three so far, Herbert 28th in completion rate, seven uh, yards per attempt. Um, I think the chargers running game should have a little bit more success. Um, than we've seen because they've been facing off against a bunch of top five run defenses, but the reality is like they just haven't been able to get you know on a roll running the ball here. So I think it puts a little bit more pressure on the passing game, which I just hasn't looked the same on a week to week basis without Mike Williams. Obviously looked good against the Lions last week. Uh, I mean that was in my mind very predictable. We talked about that in the show, um, and yeah, I think that if the Packers are able to hit a couple of explosive explosive plays here, grabbing the three, uh, I think is pretty interesting, but. Again, it's one of those plays where I think it's gross and it's like, you know, close your eyes and, you know, take trust my handicap type of type of value here. But I'm curious on your on your thoughts, Clark. Yeah, definitely. Uh, sometimes the grossest bets are the best bets <laughs> to make. Um, I grabbed the plus three and a half at open and now it's down to plus three. I still like the plus three, but I don't think there's a rush to bet it because um, I don't think there's any material risk of it going to two and a half. I'd be very, very shocked. Uh, whereas I think there is a chance it, it either goes to an expensive three or like a, you know, plus three, plus 100, or even like a three and a half. Again, we might, we might see that, but I, I really like the Packers in the spot at home that the, the Chargers defense is a little bit of an enigma because they're fourth in the NFL in sacks, but they're only 25th in pressure rate. So they're converting a very high rate of pressures into sacks. And, and I think that has a lot to do with the types of quarterbacks and offensive lines they've faced. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson, obviously, I think they took seven sacks. Aiden O'Connell took seven sacks in his first game. They played the Titans with an injured offensive line, sacked Tannehill five times. They paid Cousins with an injured offensive line, sacked four times. And the Packers' offensive line has been playing very, very well, especially in pass protection. I was really impressed with them against the Steelers. Um, and giving Jordan Love, you know, I think he has one of the lowest pressure rates allowed in the NFL, despite having a long time to throw and a deep average depth of target which is a really good combination for making explosive plays happen, which leads right into the Chargers' weakness on defense, which is big pass plays. So I think this is a really good spot at home for, for Jordan Love to continue to grow. All of his receivers are healthy. All five of his main targets are first- or second-year players. And I think we see first- and second-year pass catchers in the NFL improve a lot over their first couple of years. So to expect this offense to look a lot better at the end of the year than it did earlier in the year, I think is valid, especially given how many injuries they were dealing with early in the year. I'm a little concerned about the Packers defense because Jair Alexander looks like he probably won't go again. Uh, and so Keenan Allen will probably have another big day, but the Chargers offense is very fragile. And one thing about the Lions game was you, if you look at the box score, it looks like the Chargers offense, you know, dominated and went blow for blow with the Lions offense. But what the Chargers were doing was so much less sustainable. So many more, you know, miracle third, not miracle, but like low percentage third down conversions. They had one goal line stand that took eight plays to get in the end zone uh, because there was a penalty on the first fourth down and then they scored on the second fourth down. Uh, that kind of offense is not really sustainable. Um, and so I think there's some material fear that if anything doesn't go right for the Chargers on offense, the this plus three is going to look, uh, you know, real easy for the Packers at home. So uh, I lean the plus three. I would I would love to get a plus three, plus 100 or back to plus three and a half. But uh, this is definitely a Packers side for me. You guys like just ripped my notes and, uh, you know, the explosive rates for the Chargers pass defense. I had literally the uh, sacks and pressure discrepancy on the green base or on the uh, Charger side, which is a very interesting thing. You just don't see uh, that typically where there's such a discrepancy in terms of uh, sacks and pressure rate. So. Good job by you guys. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, uh, I would like the three and a half. It's gone, but I think yeah, I make a good point, Clark. Wait for that to maybe come back on the prop side. Maybe it's, you know, Christian Watson longest, Jordan Love longest uh, completion type of look uh, versus a side here for me because that's just is uh, I just, these two teams are are really hard for me to to feel consistent or feel strong about. So, yeah, Connor's probably right. The, the gross side is probably the right side, taking the points at home. This is probably uh, closer to a pick in terms of where these teams are at currently. All right, uh, good stuff here. Monday Night Football. We have good island games here this week. Uh, Monday Night Football, rematch of the Super Bowl. Philly on the road in Kansas City. Uh, again, we deserve this. We have a bunch of Jets and Raiders in the island games. This is good stuff right here. Um, both clubs, again, not just the Super Bowl rematch. They're both currently sitting in the top spot in their respective conference in the middle of November. Uh, so they are you know, ready to go back and – uh, compete again. Uh, it's bounced between two and a half and three. So there's some uh, seeing both in the market shop around a little bit. If you have a lean, 
Total's getting uh, hit down a little bit. It was 50 and a half in the look ahead market. Uh, reopen around 48. We're down like 45 and a half in some spots, which is pretty significant moving through multiple key numbers there, which I think is interesting. You know, we have both teams coming off of a week 10 buy. We know the magic that is historically Andy Reid off of a buy, Clark. Uh, what are your early thoughts here on Eagles and Chiefs? I'm surprised by the movement on the total here going that far down 45 and a half for two of the most consistent and best offenses in the NFL. Uh, it seems, you know, a bit low. Like I get the whole primetime unders thing and it's arrowhead. It's going to be cold, maybe a little windy, maybe a little rainy, but not enough in my opinion to justify the move. Um, what what I like on this game is both offenses are going to move the ball. Well, I mean, I think we know that at this point in the season, but I think, the Chiefs defense has been playing better than the Eagles defense has. Um, and, and the caveat to that is the Eagles have been dealing with some injuries. But at the same time, the Chiefs have faced a tougher schedule. So putting up better metrics against a tougher schedule is typically a good indication of a better defense. Um, and when you throw in the fact that they're playing at home on Monday night, you know, whenever you have a Monday night game, the home field advantage is enhanced in these in these big game spots because, you know, the fans have been drinking for a while. It's like, you know, people get crazy. We've seen Philadelphia benefit from this home field advantage in their big games this year, right? They beat Miami and they beat Dallas. Those were the two signature wins that Philadelphia has. Both of those were at Philadelphia. So I think going on the road to face a really, really good Chiefs team is a different test. And I, I definitely like the Chiefs here. Um, I'm a little bit, you know, the price is pretty tough. Like, if you can get minus two and a half, minus 110, I think that's fine. But I actually prefer dipping down to the money line. You can get it minus 140. Um, NFL scores have been a little bit funky this year. And I think, you know, I don't know the full data on this, but I think there are, there are some reasons why we should anticipate more games falling within the three than maybe historically. You know, in addition, addition to the extra point moving back several years ago, um, I think teams are becoming more analytically driven, especially teams like Philadelphia. Um, and that can lead to some decision-making that doesn't follow the sort of typical 7-3 game script that you see, um, especially in a game where every point is going to matter. So when it comes down to it, having Patrick Mahomes at home uh, on prime time to win the game outright, I think is a much more comfortable bet. And I'm happy laying the extra little bit of juice to take it down to the money line. Yeah, Connor, where are you at this uh, this one? This is going to be an interesting one. I'm also surprised to see the line in terms of the total kind of falling here. Yeah, my initial lean when I was breaking this down was Philly plus three because that's what it was at for a while. Uh, and now we're looking at uh, minus two and a half. I do think it's interesting, though. So the Eagles defense right now, first in pressure rate, but also dead last in explosive play rate, pass rate allowed. And it's such a unique difference because that's something that you usually don't normally see, right? It's like if you're getting pressure, usually you're able to, you know, kind of limit big things happening. So it's, it's just one of those things where it's especially because they're not like blitzing through the roof, you know, a ton as well. So it's one of those things that I'm interested in. Also, they're able to get interior pressure. Like, I almost think that this game could be really unique because is it going to be like a repeat of the Super Bowl where the Chiefs were under nonstop pressure? No one was able to get open and, uh, you know, against Tampa and Mahomes looked horrible. Or are we going to see Mahomes be able to work his magic and exploit the Eagles defense deep downfield and, you know, that kind of outcome? And I think both of those are in play, but I do feel good about the Eagles running game here specifically. Um, Chiefs 25th success rate, 31st in EPA per play. They've been playing a little bit better run defense lately, but uh, at the same time, I think this Eagles running game is, is truly dominant when they want to be. So I think all of those factors working together because this Chiefs pass even has been playing really, really well as is. So I don't think that like the Eagles are going to come into this game and go super pass heavy. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth. I think I like the three there, but that's obviously gone at this point. I didn't see the total move down 45 and a half. I would probably lean over uh, in this spot. I think that that's, it's, it's such a low number for, for two offenses of this caliber, as you already mentioned. Yeah. I mean, you can get like the Eagles team total on DraftKings, like 20 and a half, like minus minus one twenty. Like that's, oh, wow. that's an Eagles offense. That's been like, again, I have talked about it. Like, I think we haven't even seen it on like full blast yet. I think we've seen, like really good versions of it, but like they've had some red zone turnovers and some, some weird games. Like, I don't know. I, I it's tough. I going against Mahomes at home on prime time off a of bye feels like such a bad play, just structurally historically. Um, but yeah. I mean, I talked about it in the look aheads. I thought the three was, was worth grabbing two and a half is definitely interesting. Clark definitely seems to be on, uh, you know, worth laying the money line on the chief side, but uh, not an action for me at this point. I would probably grab a team total. Same thing. You can get the chief's team total. I think it 
I don't know, 23 and a half or something like that, 20, depending on your book and depending on the juice. So those are more interesting to me or maybe just the game total in general. So uh, but either way, hopefully we should have a island game that delivers uh, in terms of uh, expectations going into it. So uh, the first island game of the week we are going to finish with here. Uh, so you can, you know, skip this if you're listening on uh, Friday and you've already seen the outcome of the game, or you can listen to hear how horrible our analysis is uh, in hindsight. But we're going to talk about the Thursday night football game here uh, with the Bengals and Ravens. Uh, Ravens three and a half or four, depending on your book. Totals out there, 45 and a half or 46. Disappointing losses for both here in week 10. They're looking to get back. Bengals really need this one. Again, considering what's going on in the division and in the conference, uh, knowing that either the Browns or the Steelers are going to get a win this week. Uh, so you really need to not fall back even further here. Uh, some injuries, though, obviously, on both sides, but, you know, more so on the Bengals side. T. Higgins out, um, you know, Sam Hubbard unlikely to go. Trey Hendricks possibly going to miss this one, too. That's really problematic. Basically, your bookend edge rushers and your number two receiver. Uh, that did not go well for them last week. Injuries on Baltimore side as well. Marlon Humphrey, tackle Ronnie Stanley. Uh, don't know their status here as we uh, get closer to this one, but uh, those are worth monitoring here. Uh, and Connor, I'll give you the floor here for uh, Bengals and Ravens. My biggest uh, note here would be kind of how the Ravens defense has played Cincinnati lately. So Mike McDonald's been the defensive coordinator in four games for the Ravens. And in those games, they played a ton of like quarters and cover four basically, and of like not blitzed at all. I think they blitzed like 11 total times in four games or something like that against, uh, against the Bengals. And so that's held, you know, Burrow to 5.8 yards per attempt. His highest in all those games is a little bit over six. Uh, and uh, on the whole season, Ravens defense, third and drop back uh, success rate and second in EPA per play. Uh, they're playing well. Bengals are without T. Higgins, which I think matters a good bit here. So there's a lot of different um, factors here that makes me kind of lean towards the Ravens at three and a half and the under. Um, but, you know, I want to buy this Bengals team, but I, I just think this Ravens defense is so legit and their offense is playing, playing fairly well as, as well. Uh, we already talked about how the Ravens or the Bengals run defense is a little bit leaky. Um, dead last, an explosive running rate allowed, you know, going up against the Ravens who have, I mean, arguably one of the most explosive running backs in the league in, in uh, Keaton Mitchell. Um, you know, Gus Edwards has looked pretty good. Like, I think they're going to have a ton of success on the ground and potentially success through the air as well, or at least middling success. So it's like, I, it just makes me lean a little bit towards the Ravens here at three and a half. And that's probably where I'll be playing. It looks like it just took some money. It was four. And now it's on a three and a half minus 105. So, I mean, there's a chance it looks like they could see a three prior to game time. Interesting, Clark. What are your thoughts on that? That's interesting to me. I My numbers like the Ravens in this spot, but I, I can't bring myself to bet it, um, especially at four, three and a half. Um, several reasons why. First is it, it's really hard to quantify a team that is powered by a really, really strong defense because the, you know, every every projection is a prediction of a range of outcomes. And, Basically, the Ravens have been so close to their high-end range of outcome on defense for so many games that it seems like all the variance is the other way, right? So that kind of cautions me a little bit, um, especially playing a divisional game in which their defense has actually had some of its um, more kind of low low performances in divisional games, especially against Burrow, who's a very elite quarterback. And when elite quarterbacks get over a field goal on the spread, like it's typically a pretty good angle because you know keeping games close is is pretty easy to do, but. Again, my numbers do not find value on Cincinnati. They definitely lean Baltimore. Instead, I think I'm leaning with Connor and playing into the angle that Mike McDonald really knows how to play defense against Burrow. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of my lane. I'm jumping in your lane. I like Burrow's passing under in this one. I think it's like let's two, go two fifty-seven and a half. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to prop just for fun. Um, but basically, I think. He struggles with this type of defense, especially when they can play man on the receivers, especially without T. Higgins. Um, and I do think the Ravens' offense is going to be able to kind of chew up clock, move the ball, you know, run the ball. The the Bengals' defense has been reliant on big plays to turn the ball over. Um, you know, against the Texans, they were not making the key stops until they had that one interception. Um, and against uh, the 49ers, they were not doing anything on defense except for the interceptions. So I don't think that's a really sustainable way to play defense. I don't think this is the same Bengals defense that can get the ball back in Burrow's hands late in a game in which they're trailing. I think this is the kind of game that the, the Ravens can salt away if they're leading. And that also uh, is a way to, to keep the passing yards under for Burrow. So I think there's lots of ways that Baltimore wins and runs up the score in this one. I'd also be interested in sort of like if you like high leverage 
you know, SGP type attacks. I think there's some potential SGPs on the Ravens here to kind of, you know, risk very little to win a lot on the idea that Burrow really struggles in this game without T Higgins. Um, but other than that, I'm not, I'm not interested in the game and, and I'm not going to have very much money on it. This is where you miss my face because Clark's out here talking about same game parlays. He's been <laughs> props. Like I'm losing it over here and you guys can't even see me reacting. I love it. Connor, you already played Burrow under. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I released Burrow under and uh, we released, yeah, it was two. We got 258 looking at 257 now. I mean, I, I said I'd play down to 250. It's never going to reach 250, but I mean, I think our projections have them like a touch above that, but I, I really like that under. I, I think it's a good yeah. look. I looked back his, in four games against Baltimore in this year and last year with Mike McDonald, his passing yards have been like consistently in the two tens. Um, yeah. Like I think every single game, maybe then maybe there's a two twenty in there, but like, you know, when you're playing a prop that is basically 50, 50, like you do need to win, you know, 54% <laughs> of the time, whatever. Yeah. Like the idea that it's two fifty seven. like I'm willing to take my chances. This isn't the breakout game against the best defense the Ravens have ever been in Baltimore on Thursday night without T Higgins. So that that's definitely a strong play for me. Well, I remember the first matchup here this season because I had a Roquan Smith tackles over and the Bengals ran all of like eight first half plays, um, which is also in the range of outcomes here because of how Baltimore can run the ball and control and dictate uh, pace in the spot. So, you know, those are other outs for you to, to take advantage of this play as well. Cause I think we expect to see more and more of that. Now, Ronnie Stanley certainly helps that. If he's active, that's going to help them be able to, to do that more successfully. So I'll have to watch that news. But yeah, I would lean the Ravens here. Uh, this just gets real interesting on the on the Bengals side uh, if they happen to lose this one. But uh, yeah, I love the I love the same game parlays from Clark. Uh, fire it up. This is good, good stuff. <laughs> Got to get him in the Friday streets, bro. We just sit yeah. there and build same game parlays for an hour. <laughs> yeah, just just to be clear, like the size of a bet on something like that should be very very small compared to what oh, you're yeah, betting yeah. when you of have course, the, of course, the actual course. model to back it up. But yeah, yes, for sure. Yes, yeah. has to couch it with something. But yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Very very measured. Uh, all right. Any other uh, things to catch your? Well, here I'm going to start. I'm going to start, and you guys tell me if anything else here on the week 11 board catches your eye. There are a couple of things that I wanted to talk about here as well. I mean, we'll stay in the same vein here. This Jets and Bills game. Obviously, the Bills have been in the news with uh, Ken Dorsey getting fired and all that went on in that Monday Night Football game. Um, this is a really rough spot for theoretically Josh Allen to you know get back and show us that he's the guy because uh, he has struggled against the Jets um, in his career and even in the last little bit here in his career we're looking at like 227 yards in the 10 game per game over the 10 games of his career nine touchdowns 10 picks he has not topped 240 in any of the past four meetings and has a four to five touchdown interception ratio in those games uh connor any thoughts on jets bills yeah i like the jets i mean i don't know it's i i feel like i'm you know it's it's outrageous but jets plus seven i think is is, is one of my better looks of the week here they've i mean basically owned him and the this bill's defense is so bankrupt i mean they made mac jones look good like a couple weeks ago i mean this is like i mean mac jones is like terrible this offense is horrible like i i think that this jets offense is fine i mean the issue is that Brees Hall in the running game needs to get going. I mean, that was the most pathetic performance of running I've ever seen in my entire life uh, among that Jets offensive line. But anyways, I think they're able to keep it within seven. Um, yeah, the last three meetings since basically 2022 when they got, uh, you know, kind of like short up their defense with like Sauce and everyone together, he has literally two passing touchdowns and five interceptions, averaging six, 5.4, and 5.8 yards per attempt. So, uh, I mean, just brutal. Clark, any thoughts on that matchup? Or anything else you like uh, on the board? Yeah, no, not, that one is tough. I, The Jets really do a really good job against Josh Allen, but there's no way I'm betting on Zach Wilson against Buffalo, even, uh, even no, with I seven points. Even with seven and a half. Like, I just, the, and, and I'm also just kind of like, I'm baffled by the Bills. Like, I, how they managed to lose games and how they managed to blow covers is, is incredible. Um, but I still have to trust my, you know, my process and my metrics, which say the Bills are significantly better than the Jets. So, um, I, I like, uh, well, I'm trying to look at current prices. Um, yeah, so so the Bucks 49ers game is a little bit interesting to me. I, I'm looking at the over at 41 and a half. You know, the, the 49ers score on everybody. Like outside of the, they had a three-game slide when Debo Samuel and Trent Williams were out. 
Uh, other than that, they score 30 points every week, week in, week out. The Bucks defense sucks. I mean, we saw CJ Stroud put up like 38 points against them or something. Um, and and yet this is lined at 41 and a half. Baker Mayfield takes shots downfield. Like he's inconsistent, but um, and they don't run the ball well. But like if if they're just gonna run into the 49ers defensive line, then they're just gonna keep punting and the 49ers are gonna keep scoring. Uh, but I do think the 49ers, I mean, the Bucks can actually put some points on the board, especially in garbage time, because Baker Mayfield is kind of at that point in his career where he's just like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to throw it downfield to Mike Evans. And Mike Evans is going to drop every deep ball. So that's the one way you can really beat the 49ers. I think uh, if the Bucks even put up any kind of life on offense, then this clears 41 and a half easily. So. Interesting. We need to talk about the people's parlay. All right. Okay. Because you know, we did it, we had a few weeks ago, we had some success. But right now, this week, we have about five games that are uh, basically double digits, nine and above uh, favorites, mostly all at home, other than the Cowboys, who are, um, you know, solid 10 and a half, 11 point favorites in Carolina. Uh, but you have, you know, Detroit, oh, the, the Bears are taking some money. That one's uh, shrunk a little bit. Uh, Detroit at home against the Bears, Miami at home against the Raiders. Uh, you just mentioned the Niners, and then it is crazy that we live in a world, <clears throat> regardless of who they're playing, uh, the Commanders are a massive favorite, uh, almost 10-point favorite against uh, Danny DeVito and the New York football giants. Um, the People's Parlay, five-leggers, Connor's shaking his head at me. Uh, Clark might be in, though, Connor. Uh, you, DraftKings, I think minus 138 on these four. Um, what are your thoughts, Clark? I mean, plus, no, plus no, 138. Too. I'm sorry. Plus 138. Plus 138. Plus 138. You know, I, I'm sorry. I think there's a lot of landmines here. Um, I think the Lions are a landmine. I think, uh, you know, Justin Fields' first game back, the Bears have been playing really good football recently. I underrated football, both offensive line and defense, run defense, secondary is playing better. Um, this is a, a game that I think, you know, the, the Lions' offense is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But it is is the game plan going to be as sophisticated for this game against the Bears as it was against the Chargers? I'm not sure. You know, is Jared Goff, trust, Goff trustworthy enough? Uh, if, if there's a couple mistakes, I think the Bears can capitalize. You know, it's it's not a high percentage play, but when you're adding four different ones, and then the one that I I'm kind of super interested in is is the Giants. Like, I think people are underrating <laughs> Tommy DeVito just a little bit, um, <laughs> which, you know I, know, I know that bar is real low and you can laugh at me all you want, but like, I think there's some sneaky upside there that I think people don't realize. So um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm out on this one. Man, I thought you had me for a little bit. Uh, Connor, you're poo-pooing it. I think you just are just, you know, naturally, it didn't even matter, you know, who the teams are, what the handicap is. You're just, you know, you're out. No, there's, I feel like there's a couple of pretty stable teams that I feel good about. Like the Dolphins, I feel pretty good about at home. I feel good about the Niners. I, I agree with Clark. I think the Lions are good, but uh, I mean, this number is shot down a lot. I think Justin Fields is always live to pull off a win that he doesn't deserve. And the Bears defense has been playing a little bit better. Um, the Giants too. I mean, like, obviously I know Danny DeVito's garbage, but this, I mean, they gave Sam Howell a lot of trouble earlier in the season. Like they scored seven points on him. You know what I mean? Like this is not, it's not a 10 point favorite that I want to bet. Now I'm, I'm not running to bet the giants, but I don't know. It's just, it's not a team that I want to lay as a big favorite. I, even though it's like a touchdown favorite, I don't even know if I want to lay it there. So um, giants defense is, is all banged up in the concussion protocol and stuff. So it's, it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not going to be great. I don't know. It's just like, I can't bet something that's plus 138 relying on the commanders to win a game. So, yeah, I mean, they traded their like one of their best players to Seattle. They got Thibodeau in concussion protocol. Like, like Dak, they hung like 600 yards on him. Like, that's not DeVito's fault. Uh, that's the problem is that like the commanders are starting to play some actually pretty good football offensively to go into Seattle and play that game like they did. Like, that was some good football. Um, so I get you. I mean, it's, it's still surprising me that they're, that large of a favorite but in this scenario we don't need them to cover the 10 we don't need them to cover seven and a half we just need them to win the football game uh and that's you know what the difference you in gotta bet it part. right you're betting it right i haven't yet uh i did brand, price it out man. i priced it out today because i just wanted to see what it was plus 138 it's like plus 131 in some other spots DraftKings has the the best price um 
it's not the worst. It's not the worst. Five legs. I'm with you guys. I mean, I'm jo- it's it's a bit. I'm joking. I don't want to. I don't want to get behind five legs either. Um, but it's. I thought we had to talk about it because it is a spot where you look at the board. And you're like, oh, you have all these spots, mostly a home favorites of almost double digits. Uh, you know, for these these are the times that I think you should, you know, talk about it. And again, like Dallas is the only leg that's not. I think we all feel probably pretty good about the current iteration of Dallas going in and handling their business against what's going on in Carolina right now. So, yeah, it's uh, interesting to discuss. What about uh, last one that I thought was interesting? Jags, Titans, seven. Uh, it looks like Pinnacle's floating to six and a half here. Um, I don't know. I kind of, I'm kind of ready to ride the Levis roller coaster again uh, at plus seven. No, I love six and a half if, if you can get it. That's yeah. So it's yeah. only a matter of time. This this line, this like Titans offensive line is not good, and now it's like decimated. Uh, and I just think it's a bounce back spot for the Jags. I think they pressure him a ton. Uh, yeah, I, I just I I think he has trouble. I think he has trouble here just with a lot of pressure. Good bounce back spot for the Jags. Yeah, I agree. I, I really six and a half, and it stayed there for a while. But I think today it finally moved up to seven in most spots. But um, th- this is a, a really, really good spot for the Jags. And you know, Will Levis, it, it was it was a lot of pretty throws in that first week, and then it's been a lot of very inconsistent football behind a bad offensive line with a angry Jag squad. And and don't look now, but Trayvon Walker is starting to you know make a little bit of an impact on the field. Like you know, still still very much disappointment for number one overall pick. But this defense, this Jaguars defense, is is definitely a good unit. Trayvon Walker can do nothing for his whole career and he'll still have a place in my heart just for the amount of impact he made on my bank account. You know, shout out (laughs) Trayvon. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, That's I'm, I'm with you. Six and a half, I think is a really, really, really good look uh, in that spot. So, I mean, will, you know, Levis overall. Yeah. I'm interested. What he has right now in front of him is, uh, is really tricky. I think the good thing is he's, he's getting the ball out really quickly. I think he's like, top three in time to throw, which is surprising, especially when you think about what he did well in that first game where he bought himself a ton of time and, and threw the ball deep. Now, getting the ball out quickly did not translate into a ton of points against a really bad Bucks secondary last week as well. So, yeah, I think there's some still some learning curve going on there with uh, with Levis. So not a spot I want to run in front of this week with Jacksonville. Who, you know, they're struggling, but again, I think it's just a, a, a better spot for sure than, than the Niners. So... All right, guys. I think that wraps us up here for uh, for week eleven. So sorry you had to look at me not blinking. Because thing is a record. I didn't blink for almost fifty three minutes, which is really impressive. So, uh, yeah. Uh, before you leave, don't forget to hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe. Make sure you come back on Friday to hang out with us for prop drop again, uh, three p.m. Eastern on the four for four bets YouTube channel, and take advantage of the promo code of bets five zero. That's going to get you uh, 50% off of an already discounted betting subscription over at 444.com slash plans. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, everybody.